You're listening to 17 Karat K-Pop, the show that's a little bit of everything with a K-Pop twist. Visit 17karatkpop.weebly.com for more information about the show. That's 17-C-A-R-A-T-K-P-O-P.weebly.com. Enjoy the show! Hello everybody and welcome back to 17 Karat K-Pop. There is another double whammy this week, two new episodes released at once, so if there's a certain buzzed about topic in the world of K-pop right now that you don't hear about in this episode, I probably discuss it in the other episode that just released, so make sure to check that out. Quick overview of what to expect on the show today. We have a lot to talk about about the music industry overall. Some updates about some post-COVID era concert plans that are happening, an update on that Arkansas concert that was going to take place the other day, and the new game plan for that. Talking about KCON and other events going digital, and my thoughts about that. My mind has changed a lot about the live stream service that SM Entertainment is using for its artists now, so I want to talk about why my views on that changed as well. Also, I have some very random, weird, very out there ideas that I want to pitch for K-pop stars to change the format of their concerts for this era of social distancing. So just uh, bear with me and let's see if you agree that these are good ideas. Also, there are a lot of updates in general news-wise in the world of K-pop. There's a new fandom name drawing some controversy. There are some more idols drawing up controversy, a new show drawing up controversy. A lot of drama to get to as well as more a more in-depth Day 6 album review. We also have to talk about this cool new art exhibit in Seoul that celebrates K-pop lyrics. So a whole bunch to get to. And on top of all of this, it is the anniversary of Monster X's Japanese debut, and it is a few days after their five-year anniversary, so I want to take a trip down memory lane and talk about how far Monster X has come, some of their standout moments, things like that. And the ultimate theme of this episode, which is now just kind of a side theme, is talking about and analyzing some of my favorite C-pop and J-pop videos. So, so much to get to. A lot about how society and the music industry are adapting to this COVID era, as well as C-pop and J-pop talk, K-pop news updates, and Monster X's anniversary. So, a whole bunch to get to, so let's just get right into it. Naturally, I do have, as usual, 17 updates about what's going on in the world of K-pop, but I did split it up, so I'm just going to talk about a little more than half of those updates now, and the rest are in the other episode. So let's get into it. So, number one, Mino from Winner was rumored to have performed at a nightclub recently, and even YG Entertainment seemed to back that claim indirectly because the statement they issued basically was written in a way that made you think he he did it, like he did go to the club, and he was going to reflect on his actions and was sorry for doing so. However, Wikitree, remember Wikitree from the Taeyeon episode? Uh, that um, super reliable source, if you like sarcasm, decided to perpetuate the rumor that Mino was at that club, and it turns out that he was not. So it was all kind of a manufactured source of drama, and really what he was criticized about is not that he was in a club because he's underage or anything, he's not. It was because of, in this COVID-19 era, you know, promoting social distancing is important, and people are being scolded and condemned 
in South Korea and in, in countries all over the world when they do violate social distancing guidelines, even when they're lifted, technically, um, and clubs and places like that do open up again, it's still shamed to, not in this country, but in a lot of countries, it is shamed to still go out there and basically potentially spread the virus, especially if you're young, because young people are kind of super spreaders of this and can be asymptomatic as they do it. So even if they feel fine, it can cause other people to get sick. So you've got to be very cautious. And nightclubs are a hard place to be cautious in because it's so crowded and Obviously, if you're famous, too, you're going to draw out a bigger crowd than anyone else that's up there for karaoke or whatever. So people thought that was irresponsible of him, but apparently he didn't actually go. So there's that. Speaking of YG artists, one of them is staying home for sure. That's G-Dragon. So I'm not going to describe it, so you should just look it up and check it out yourself and follow him on Instagram. But G-Dragon has given his penthouse a makeover. So let me know what you think about that. It's really... See, some people are really weirded out by it, but come on. Have you seen Dr. Phil's house? G-Dragons is not weird, by comparison. By comparison to a lot of Western celebrities' houses, actually. G-Dragons, I personally like his aesthetic that's very out there and mishmash. And I don't know. I like it. But people have some very strong opinions about his penthouse look, so... Yeah, um, I'll leave that up to you to decide how you feel about it personally. Number three, Day Six released their album, and I'm just adding this as a news, uh, a new, a piece of news because it's my album review, and you know that's should be buzzworthy. <laughs> um, so, my real thoughts on the Day Six album, it's really good. You know, in general, objectively, they are just really good songwriters. Their albums are very well made and cohesive, and very true to day six, and very just listenable. There's not much to hate about day six music. There are some artists who I get it, I'm a huge fan of, but I get it. It's an acquired taste, and if you don't like their music, it's understandable. With day six, there's really not anything to hate, so even if you don't like their music, it's not music that should rub you the wrong way because of a certain auto-tune feel or a certain uh, loud like instrument or some weird side effect or side effect sound effect or you know it's really doesn't have anything that would be like nails on a chalkboard to some people so I think it's good listening it's it's uh but that's objectively subjectively I would say personally it's not my favorite I would say that hmm my favorite, honestly, Sunrise is still their peak album for me, but also, see, it's weird to say, the, use the word peak there, though, because it's not like they're, they've gone downhill from there, but I would say Remember Us and Sunrise are their best works, and this, so this is not my favorite, just to be totally honest, but it is, it is still well done, like they always do. I do think it's kind of about the moment, too, because like I said on the last episode about this, it's an interesting time to release music that is darker and heavier right now because there are people who do want to wallow in their feelings and really feel and get in their feels and just embrace that feeling. But right now, I'm one of those people who is enjoying brighter, more fun, distracting music that's uplifting. So if people are turning to that more than the former, then I'm not sure you know how many people will 
how, if this meets the moment, if this was the right moment for the music to be released just in terms of public appeal, obviously it's great that they just released their music without worrying too much about that, but I just wonder if that's why I personally have not enjoyed it as much as I hoped I would, and I don't enjoy it as much as past releases, is probably just because of the environment right now. I'm not in the mood for that kind of music. So that probably affected my listening and will affect this review, but it is what it is. I, I will say, though, I am very glad they continue to write honest, vulnerable lyrics, and I, I would rather this than some manufactured, I'm pretending to be happy songs, I guess, so I it's a mixed bag. I will say what is interesting about Day 6 is that with some artists, they their intro and the few for first few songs and then the outro and the last few songs on their album really tie it all together. But Day6 has this unique thing where what ties their songs together seems to be the middle. So with other artists, I listen to the first few songs and I'm really in a groove, but then there are some skippable ones in the middle, and then in the outro is pretty smooth as well and ties it all together. But with Day6, especially with this one, the grouping of songs in the middle, so not the top or bottom of the track list, but the middle works really well together for me that's like I'm not skipping any of the songs there and I skip the last song or skip the first song so it's interesting that's happened in their past releases too where I tend to enjoy the middle of the albums and I don't know what that says about me or about how they order their songs in the track list but it is just another interesting unique thing about their music so yeah I would say objectively I'd probably give it four out of five stars subjectively probably three out of five but you know, still day six, they're still really great, and yeah, they, they should keep killing it out there. Number four, sad news for XOLs and Pentagon fans, Jinho and Suho have both entered the military, and we won't really miss them. Uh, yeah. Number five, so this is kind of a prediction mixed with news. So first of all, Chanyeol's new song is out. It features three different collaborators, Raiden, Lehi, and Chanmo, and it is called Yours. It's just a really good song. Honestly, I was not sure if I'd like it or if it would be kind of just too stripped down for me. The teasers were not helpful in me predicting if I'd like it or not, but I really like it. It's It's like it's a, it's a balm. It's a soothing balm for these times. So that's the kind of music I think people are listening to these days. And so what I'm thinking is, this is my prediction. I think if Chanel released an album right now, or an EP or something, with his typical chill vibe and songs like yours on them, with or without other collaborators that are well-known, it would do so well. It was just, it really would. It would do so well. And... Now that Big Bane has not had their spring comeback as expected because of all of this and the Coachella cancellation and all of that comeback cancellation stuff, this is the perfect opportunity just strategically. If Chanyeol wants to officially stop playing Leapfrog with G-Dragon, for which K-pop star has the most Instagram followers, if they want to end that Leapfrog once and for all, Chanyeol could hold on to the top spot for good, I think, if he released an album now that would get a ton of attention online and really solidify even more fame for him. Just a prediction. So Chanyeol, not just for my personal need, but for the world's need and for your sake as well, strategically, this is a great time for you to find all of those unreleased songs you probably have recorded over the years 
and just put them out into the world and see what happens. Please, please, please do that. So, number six, uh, the next few are going to be a little more rapid, I promise. Um, so, number six, Eyes One has their concert film officially coming out. It was supposed to come out last year, but the delay is almost over, and now you can see it on June 10th. Number seven, Young J from Got7 and Young K from Day6 are co-hosting Weekly Idol now. They're the new NBC Weekly Idol hosts, which JYP stands. What a day. We love to see it. Number eight, Cravity, this, the new group from Starship Entertainment, Monster X's company, is getting into some hot water about their fandom name. So Cravity has decided that their fandom name is going to be Lovity. And Love It is already the fandom name for a girl group called Pink Fantasy. So Love It versus Love It E, obviously that's super similar, only one letter different. And so far, Cravity has not made any statements that say they are going to change their name as a response to the backlash from Pink Fantasy fans who go by Love It. And personally, my view on this is that they should change it. It may not seem like that big of a deal, but... To, but I've been thinking about, like, for example, how TXT's original fandom name idea was Young Ones, which is already the name for Tiffany Young's fandom, and they did change it after fan backlash from Tiffany's fans, so I think that that I'm not bothered by either. I think it is a big deal, because the thing is, when you're part of a fandom, especially K-pop fandoms, which is a next level of passion, it's really important part the cult the fandom color the fandom name all of those attributes that define a specific fandom it's part of your identity it's part of your life to be a huge loyal member of a k-pop fan base and so to have your name kind of copied or look like it's copied by a totally different group it is kind of a personal it's a personal frustration that is very valid and yeah i personally just think that fandom names are such an important part of that identity and you know I really I just hope they change it because I I can tell how much it must mean to the pink fantasy fans to feel like they're suddenly being grouped in to the same fandom as the gravity fans and obviously there can be overlap but it's also some it's the fandoms want to maintain their individuality and we should respect that so number nine there is a BTS-related concert scam, and the scammers have now been forwarded to prosecution. So I believe it actually is one person, but who knows, they could be partners in crime. But someone has basically, basically this perpetrator has forged private documents to make it look like this person had... I mean, I'm, by the way, I'm just saying this person because their identity is still kept secret. But this person basically forged private documents and made it look like this person had access to, had all these rights and copyright access and whatnot to BTS concert promotions. So using BTS concert based, let's say BTS is going on the Love Yourself tour for this example, then that this person basically claimed that they had access to merch that had Love Yourself Tour on it and other BTS Love Yourself Tour specific promotional ads and other things that could be sold and dispersed to stadiums and whatnot and fans and websites, everything. So basically claiming to have the official rights to BTS logos and other tour related 
material. And the problem with the forged documents, addition to in addition to the fact they are forged documents, is the fact that this these this was a lie told to investors. So basically, over four point five million dollars of investment was basically raised by this person for people who invested in this person for basically hoping that so basically by claiming ownership this person basically said invest in me and then I can promote this merch and actually sell it but I need that investment money to do so and so basically this person just pocketed millions of dollars while pretending to have those rights so anyway the case clearly has strong evidence to go forward, which is why it's now headed to prosecution. And that that's the latest, but I will keep you updated on the status of that case. Speaking of BTS, they have announced Bang Bang Con is coming back, only this time it is going to be a live event. So, June 14th at 6 p.m. Korean time, which is 4 a.m. That di- 4 a.m. June 14th, if you're in the central time zone. And I believe 2 a.m. if you're in California Pacific time zone. Uh, so anyway, Bang Bang Con is a live concert that anyone around the world can get tickets for. And we, the Weverse We Shop app is where you can get your pre-orders for that. And it is expected to be around a 90-minute show where they are basically taking you inside their homes, as they put it, based on how the camera angles look and stuff. It'll be like you're watching a performance from their bedroom, because you kind of are. And I'm going to talk a lot more about my thoughts on this in a later segment, but I did include that in the news section of this show as well. Speaking of big hit entertainment, the new show I Land has a release date officially. It will be out June 26th. And also about, you know, na- fandom names and whatnot, that the term Island was the name of G-Idol's world tour before that was canceled, and that was bringing up controversy because fans didn't want them to be stealing the name. There is also no update about that. Big Hit has not an- issued any statement indicating they plan to change the show name, and probably not now because, speaking of investments, Apparently, over $16 million has been invested in this show already. Big Hit is really going places as if it as if it wasn't already. So basically, three years worth of production are funded and planned for now. So that is at least three seasons of the show already scheduled, and maybe more if their contract gets extended. So a lot of stakes financially are going into this project. Speaking of new projects, um, the National Hangul Museum in Seoul has a new exhibit out. It just released. It is an exhibit that celebrates the Korean language and basically features a lot of K-pop song lyrics on display. And it's a very cool exhibit to look at. You can see some of the images and footage of it online. And it would be very cool to see in real life as well, of course. The exhibit is called Korean Pop Lyrics, Melodies of Life. And it's kind of funny, though, because it is really a deep and special, meaningful concept for an exhibit. But at the same time, the featured K-pop songs are called things like Boom Boom and Ring Ding Dawn and Dala Dala. And of course, those are iconic K-pop songs. But it's just funny to think about how it's all about the beauty of the language. And then the K-pop songs they're giving shoutouts to in this exhibit are like Ring Ding Dawn. Which, I mean, I guess if that speaks to you, that speaks to you. Personally, it's kind of, Ring Ding Dawn kind of sounds like a Crazy Frog song. 
so do with that what you will. I love it, but it's just funny to think about that being in a fancy exhibit. So anyway, today on Quarantunes, we have a lot of updates on how music and the concert landscape looks during this bizarre, unprecedented era. But first of all, there are some live-streamed K-pop content updates that I want to let you know about, so mark your calendars for these. So, first of all, Monsta X will be performing at a St. Jude-sponsored Prom From Home event. It'll also feature performances from Bozzy, Blanco Brown, Louis Capaldi, Cheat Codes. It's going to be a huge, a huge set. So Monsta X is the only K-pop act that will be joining them, and their exclusive performance you can watch May 22nd at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, which I believe is 7 p.m. Central Time. So be sure to check that out. Zack Sane's YouTube channel should have the link for that. Number two, there is a show that you can stream on a YouTube channel called The K-Pop, all caps, The K-Pop which will be taking place every night, May 19th, 20th, and 21st. Those nights, there's a show called Trip to K-Pop happening. You can check that out. It'll be, that one, the Trip to K-Pop show will be around 80 minutes long each night, and they will feature, it'll feature performances live from Seoul. And it's got quite a lineup. There's Card, April, Oh My Girl, Daybreak, Icon. It's a big thing. And so you can check that one out, again, May 19th through 21st. And it'll be every night at 7 p.m. Korean time, which is, I believe, 5 a.m. Central time if you're in the Chicago area, and actually 3 a.m. if you're in California Pacific area. So uh, not sure if that changes your enthusiasm for watching, but just so you know, that option is out there. Number three, there is an event called Live From Home. And you can go to the official Live From Home website to stream this one. You could also see it streaming on Twitch. The Live From Home event is a charity live stream, so proceeds from the views, based on the view count, that'll rack up the amount of proceeds that will go to the COVID-19 Emergency Relief Fund. And so performances include uh, ones from Amber, Kevin, Wu, James Lee, so a lot of long-term K-pop stars from second-generation groups, but they'll be performing solo sets from various rooms, homes across the country and across the world. There are a lot of other artists in that lineup as well. So the Life From Home event you can check out May 23rd at 1 p.m. Pacific time, which is 3 p.m. Central time. So again, May 23rd. So number four... We have to talk about KCON. So, if you didn't already know, KCON has gone digital. Fully digital this year. There was never really an official confirmation message as of this recording time stating that KCON LA was going to be canceled, which is in the second half of August, I believe. But obviously, June's KCON location in New York, that was canceled. KCON Japan was canceled. KCON up until the August date was canceled. And the August date was never officially declared to be canceled. But given the fact they're saying it's an online week-long event this year for everyone around the world, I'm assuming it's not going forward in August and not going forward in, in Thailand, which that one usually takes place in the fall. So I'm pretty sure it's just digital this year. And so on Mnet's YouTube channel, you will be able to stream, and I have a lot of thoughts about this. So my first thought, well, 
okay, here's the here's the rundown of what it'll be like. What what I know so far, it's so vague. But they will have 30 different K-pop artists participating during the week of June 20th through 26th. On YouTube, you can stream 24-7. They will have a lot of pre-recorded content to watch. And seven hours each of those days will be live and new content happening. They plan a lot of live interaction opportunities with the artists. So live chats and things like that that you can do through YouTube, live poll options and things like that. And by live polls, I'm guessing they mean when a YouTuber will say something like, uh, reply with a one if you think this, reply with a two if you vote for this, or something like that, and then they look at the comments, and I think that's how they do, they are going to do their live polls, and that is it. That is all the information we have so far. So, I have a lot of thoughts about this, and first of all, I guess you could tell by my tone I'm not entirely excited yet, because I I don't know yet, they don't have enough information yet that clarifies to me how this is any different from watching a live stream concert because when I'm skeptical these days when they say interactive a little less skeptical once I talk about the SM Entertainment Beyond Live show with NCT I'll get into that more but I just I'm not sure the fact that it's seven hours out of every 24 will be new content and the rest is going to be pre-recorded old throwback content streaming. I'm just not sure. What I've heard so far does not make me super enthusiastic for how much is really new and exciting content to watch. There's just so much to take into account, and I just have so many questions still. Really, I guess I'm stuck on what they call interactive, and what is going to make this different from a typical YouTube live stream, which they haven't really specified yet, because... What does interactive mean when it's online? I mean, does that mean... I have so many questions. Does that mean live polls and live chatting? Because that version of interactive is still not different from any other YouTube live stream. Do they mean video chat Skype style high touches or other meet and greet options via the web? Do they mean, you know, one-on-one personal... Uh, two-minute Zoom sessions with your favorites. I don't know what interactive means aside from live chat features, and those are never super exciting to me because the comments roll by so fast on the screen, especially when you have people tuning in and commenting from around the world, that it's really, it's it's really like the the feeling like oh maybe they'll answer my comment is not there. That excitement's not there because I know they're not going to see my comment. Just being real, and so. Yeah, I that I'm not sure what level of interactive they mean in what they have planned. I want to be optimistic and I should be excited really because I love KitCon and this is obviously a cheaper a more feasible more realistic alternative for me to attend. It's always been a dream of mine to go. I might have gone in person this year if it wasn't canceled because I'm graduating. It was going to be my graduation trip, but I digress. It I think I like the thought of it happening. It's better than nothing, but I'd rather have... I. What's going to get me really excited to tune in is more than just better than nothing. So right now I'm at better than nothing, and I need more to get me excited for it, frankly, because I could watch I could watch all 
or I could watch non-live recorded K-pop performances all day every day without this, and I do that genuinely anyway. So, and generally, if I do that all the time anyway, like I just want this to stand out and be something different than a typical live stream, and I don't know what that means yet, especially because they put this together quickly without a playbook for it, because making KCON digital. I mean, it's been around since 2012, but never has it had to go fully online. So this is unprecedented, uncharted territory. So I just worry that it was a slap together idea because they had no other choice given the circumstances. So I don't know how excited to be yet. So based on what fans have said online that I've seen, there are mixed reactions as well. A lot of people are just confused like me. What do you mean interactive? What is this? How is this going digital? What is the live content? Is this just like another concert from home event, like the kinds on TV right now? What is happening? And they don't really have many answers. They said more detail is coming. A lot of people are concerned about the money, and that is something I want to talk about. So people are saying, if this really is just like a live stream thing, and you're using words like highly interactive to get people excited, and that's pretty much it, then this should be free. Because anytime someone goes live on YouTube, you can watch for free. And so they figure this should be free. And then there are other people who seem to be the minority, but there are other people pointing out that KCON is going to lose so much money this year. And they have to make money somehow. And so for them to do that through a digital event isn't the worst idea in the world. But other people are saying this is just a way to take money from people and at this time would people a lot of people don't have disposable income and are trying to get money and save money that asking them to pay for a live stream seems selfish and wrong but then other people are saying well logistically they have to so there there's a lot of back and forth online about the price and so far as of recording time KCON has not issued any statements about payment and who what what it would cost to go to this thing online, What and if there's a price involved at all, it sounds like, and, and well, just based on my assumptions, my guess is it'll be a tiered system, so there will be a lot of content that is free, and then there will be certain like VIP interactive events. What they call highly interactive will probably cost a fee, but if it's through YouTube, it won't cost a fee. So I don't know how they plan to divide up who gets access to what content because if it's just through YouTube, anyone can access it. So I don't know. I have so many questions. And so we'll see. I'll obviously keep you posted on the show when I find out any more information about this. It's hard for me, too, to wonder what is a reasonable price. So let me know on social media at 17 Karat K-Pop what you all think. Because I'm curious, and I don't know what I think about what's a good reasonable price. Because I don't know what to expect. So is it worth the price? And, you know, I don't know yet. So that brings me to talking about the Beyond Live experience and my changing thoughts on it. So SM Entertainment has this new Beyond Live app experience that promises these next level virtual reality-esque concert experiences. So the Beyond Live app, like we talked about before on the show, I was very skeptical about because... It just sounded corny, like, ooh, there are 3D things you can see on stage. It'll make you feel like you're there. Are you sure about that? And I wasn't sure 
you know, if it was worth the money, and so I was going to wait and see. So, at, But as I saw more and more online, more chatter about people who did pay $30 to watch the show, a lot of them said it was worth it. And that, so I wanted to kind of wait and see if, if other people said it was worth the money. And I'm still saving up, so unfortunately I did not see any of them yet. I, and also there's the time difference issue, but there's a lot, there's a lot, um, a lot of reasons why I couldn't to finishing up my degree and stuff. I just couldn't get up at like 3 a.m. to watch. It was, it's a whole thing. Anyway, so, but what I have heard about the Beyond Live experience and after reading more about it, both fan opinions and in general about the content and its goals and promises for the future, I'm actually a little more open to it. And it's, it sounds like fans really do think it's worth the money. And there are some actually very valid arguments made about that. So first of all, People are forgetting that you can actually, you actually own the show after you watch it. So if you pay the $30 to watch the live stream 3D-esque show, you get to re-watch that show a bajillion times after you paid for it. So after the live stream's over, you still have that saved, and you can repost it, you can... You can post it to any app you want. You can save the video to rewatch on a rainy day when you need a pick me up and a special trip, nostalgia trip to the concert feeling. So, first of all, that's really nice because you get to not worry about posting a video and having it taken down because of copyright issues. So, if you want to spread a video widely on social media and you have the rights to own that content, it's a lot easier. And second of all, Concert videos, like actual, if you want to get a concert DVD to relive a concert experience, it's usually around $60. So for half that price, you could, you basically own the concert movie. So granted, you don't get with it the photo cards and other goodies that you'd get if you actually bought the full concert DVD package, but it is better than nothing. So there's that. So a lot of people think it's a very reasonably priced experience, and People are saying it's actually very, really is very immersive. And so maybe don't knock it till you try it, I guess. Because they say, you know, if you just turn off the lights, it's super dark and you just zone in, you know, headphones in, noise canceling headphones ideally, and you just watch the show, it feels like you're really there. And it can feel very immersive based on the camera work, the close-ups, the 3D technology added to it, all of that. It's supposed to feel like a very immersive experience, like you are in a stadium. And so, if you want to participate, Super Junior and TVXQ both recently announced they are the latest SM Entertainment artists to do that show. So when Wendy's feeling right, we better petition for a Red Velvet show. Um, and Boa, oh my gosh, Boa should do an or a Girls' Generation reunion show. I have so many ideas. Taman should... Taman should promote a solo comeback through a Beyond Live show. That I would pay for. However, I do think this will never replace real concerts, and that, that should be kept in mind as well, because, first of all, the time zone issue, like I said. Ideally, of course, every superfan wants to stay up late and go to every 3 a.m. concert if they can, but realistically, with jobs or with finishing getting your college degree like me, that's not always possible it just isn't. And so, because if I'm going to go to the show and pay for it, I want to be alert for it. 
Otherwise, it's really not worth... That's not what I'm saving my money for, is the show that I'm half asleep during. So, there's that. So, then there are the... You know, there are the time zone differences that will prevent people from paying for this. There's... Maybe they should do... Some artists should do, like, a full concert tour, but different days, but always digital. So, like, 7 p.m. your local time, but they do it different times. Although I guess it is fair that for once they aren't the ones who get jet-lagged feeling. Maybe it should be the fans this time instead of the artists who normally have to travel the world and have all these different time zones and get whiplash from that. But anyway, there's also the thought of what happens at a K-pop show and at concerts in general where there is this feeling of this collective excitement. It's contagious. You know, even when you're in a small group with five other people, let's say, watching a movie or watching a show or even just having a conversation, if someone laughs or someone's crying or someone's angry, you feed off of each other's emotions, right? And so if you're really into it, like, I actually notice this in myself too, or if I'm watching something and it's probably not super funny, but I'll laugh out loud if I'm like with other people laughing out loud. It's it's funnier when you're with other people. I guess it's a social cue we just pick up on that you should join in a certain emotion if that's in the room. But reading the room isn't a thing if you're watching a show in your room alone and there's nothing to read in the room. So so there's that aspect of concerts that's just interesting because the antics that your faves are doing on stage and the, the fan chants and everything and just just picking up on and overhearing inside jokes other fans around you are using, just all of those little moments that are fun and memorable are not there. So I don't think this will ever replace real live in-person K-pop shows. And apparently with some of these Beyond Live shows so far, fans have teamed up and tried to do fan chants and otherwise make noise and intentionally unmute themselves so they could all collectively chant together and still have that feeling of unison. But I'm not sure how much that works. And there are certain things that just, it won't work for. You can't do the wave over Zoom or whatever. It's just not going to happen. So there's that. It'll be better than I initially predicted and more fun and something that I will eventually give into and give my money to eventually. But I also predict that it will never replace real concert experiences and that collective joy you get at shows just can never be replaced. But people are still going to try. So one of those people is Travis McCready. On the last show, we talked about this. Travis McCready is planning to do a concert in Arkansas, the first known major post-COVID hitting the U.S. USA concert experience. And so in the last episode, we talked about how that was actually going to happen as of this recording time two days ago on May 15th. But basically what happened was it was quite a nasty back and forth between the governor of Arkansas and Temple Live, the company that is hosting this event. Temple Live really was really not letting the governor off the hook. It was really intense. And the gov- basically what happened, the short version of it is, is the governor of Arkansas issued a cease and desist letter to Temple Live for hosting this concert, basically saying 
that their safety plan did not meet their guidelines and they were not going to be able to go forward. As we talked about last time on the show, these guidelines that this concert was going to follow included disinfecting the venue before the show, having masks available on site and things like that, limiting public bathrooms to 10 people at a time, only having about 25% capacity of the venue full, having fan pods where people can only buy tickets next to each other if they're in like a certain pod and each pod is at least six feet apart from the other pods of seats that are bought, things like that. But this, none of this was considered worth the risk still. There's still too much risk involved in having a concert so early with, without, enough, like so early on in terms of controlling this virus in the United States. And so the governor issued a cease and desist letter that Temple Live was not happy about, had a lot of choice words for the governor, and basically the event was not canceled. It was postponed because what's happening in a lot of states is the state home orders and other guidelines that have been issued are not being currently extended. So when they expire, they expire lately. That seems to be the trend. And so that is going to happen tomorrow, May 18th. So on the 18th, Arkansas's order is not going to be extended as of recording time. That's the plan. And so that is the day where they are allowed to still do the show. And the governor explicitly clarified that, that they would be able to legally do this still if they waited a few extra days. So why they didn't do that in the first place is beyond me, but that's what they did. And so really it sounds like the biggest issue for the governor was not even the safety plan and if it was up to par, but really about the sense that they deserve special treatment to have their concert three days before the whole state could have things like that. So we'll see. I'll keep you posted if the event actually goes on and what the outcome is, although we probably won't know for about two weeks when we when people will start showing symptoms and there might be a case spike if this was too dangerous and risky and there is a virus spread there. So two things to keep in mind here that I think this will show as a test for other parts of the country that want to do shows and get back to the live music scene soon. First of all, a lot of people have apparently expressed interest in copying the fan pod idea that Temple Live started. So that is something you might get at a future show where basically not every seat can physically be moved six feet apart from the other seats, but who gets to buy the seat might apply. So if you're with if you're going to a show with certain people that you've been quarantining with, then you buy a certain fan pod and then you're six, at least six, six feet apart in all directions from people who bought other fan pods. So that idea and similar ones are inspiring some other concert companies and live music companies to try to adapt to their own venues. So you might be hearing a lot more about that concept in the future for live music. Second thing is that people need to keep in mind too that concerts are beyond just a typical public gathering place because of travel. So there are huge gathering places for, you know, theater shows, for movie theaters can obviously gather huge crowds, places of worship. They can draw big crowds, but sometimes it's very local. Like the example of a place of worship. Typically, the people who go there are regulars. They're people who live around the area. But with a concert, especially with K-pop shows that only go to like five 
five major cities across the U.S. sometimes, you have people traveling from all over the country or all over the world. And so travel, you know, and not even just the travel, but the act of being on an airplane and in the airport, the whole journey is full of chances to get the virus and then spread it in that venue. So even if those local orders lift, like in Arkansas, people from outside of Arkansas will probably go to this show, especially if they really crave a live show and they can't yet because of stricter stay-at-home orders still in place where they live. So it, that is why concerts we are going to have to wait excessively long for. So if you're wondering what's the deal, why are these plans not good enough, why are we... Why are other big live events happening? Why are some movie theaters and other venues opening up but not concerts? Travel and what kind of people are going to be there is part of that explanation. So that's important to keep in mind. Also, like with BTS's show, some of these shows have international, a lot of international members and people that are on the team. So, you know, if you have choreographers, dancers, backup singers, band members roadies, all of them from all parts of the country or even the world, getting them all together and that travel to get together, like I said, has barriers right now. So it's the global aspect of it that is taking a while. So keep that in mind and be patient. But there are a lot of ways that we could not be not have to be as patient and still get that live music feel maybe so here are a bunch of my random ideas and honestly I think some of these are just not great but some of these ideas are really good honestly and companies should take my advice here so first of all we should follow in the steps of what Arlington Texas is doing oh before I get into this list please know that I'm just saying things without like having the health qualifications to say this is safe and stuff, but these are just ideas I'm throwing out there, so just spitballing. But anyway, so what Arlington, Texas is going to do pretty soon is they are having a four-day event with some big acts like the Eli Young Band and Pat Green. These concerts will be in Arlington, Texas over a four-day period of time for an event called Concert in Your Car, which is exactly what it sounds like. They will be performing, but instead of actually being in the venue, watching the show, people will stay in their cars, and so that, you know, it's like a drive-in movie experience, so maybe that's, obviously that's not the same level as the regular live experience, but it can still be exciting, so my proposal is that at least the bigger K-pop groups could possibly do a show like that at an outdoor venue, because if you think about it, like, it sounds frustrating probably and a little lame, but... I mean, think about if you had got a group with a bunch of members, like 17 or NCT, like all of NCT, not just one subunit or something like that. If you get a huge group or even a show like a, an SM Entertainment Star Spectacular or some other full agency-wide event with a lot of artists, if you have a lot of artists on stage, the point is that think about how, many, how much they could spread out and like go walk around in between cars. Like, you could have like them fill the location because they're all walking around or running around and you know it's like during a real show when they spread out around the stage and some go to the middle stage and some stay on the runway and some go back by the band and some people walk to the sides and like they go all over the stage at once and so no matter what part of the show is happening there's probably at least one member close by you and so they could do that but just it, they're close to your car window like imagine if you just like 
look to your left and you see like Taeyeon staring at your window. Like, oh my gosh, that might be so cool. It's so, you know, maybe that's something that would happen. And so I'm just saying, maybe they should try that. Just, uh, they could run to you. Bad pun intended. And so, I don't know. I'm thinking that would be really cool. And not sure how the sound quality would be, but, you know, it's probably better than nothing. And it's still a way to kind of have the experience be personal. So just a thought. Other ideas I'm getting just from what is happening already. So the other day, what Katy Perry did to promote her new single, Daisies, is she basically had these Daisy listening parties so people could start up their own Zoom listening parties with Daisies, and she crashed some of those parties. So, I mean, if if there's, like, a K-pop listening party and K-pop stars want to crash my Zoom session, they are invited to do so. That would be pretty dope as well. I also think they should try other types of video chat style meet and greets. I think that would be really cool and a fun way to maintain that connection with fans. That is something I would pay for for sure. Also, okay, this is a little weirder, but think about it. In the context of the success of the Fortnite Travis Scott gaming experience and concert experience, what if, what if we had K-pop shows in Animal Crossing? I don't know much about Animal Crossing, but what I do know is that it sounds like it's great, it's cute, it's fun, it's sweet, and isn't aren't those all words you used to describe Seventeen? So Seventeen wanna have a cute, wholesome jam session in Animal Crossing? I would be down for that. There, You know, there's also the chance of a Fortnite-style thing. There is this AR, VR technology group called Wave that hosts some of these types of events. They'll probably really rise. I don't know if they actually have publicly traded stock, but they would rise so much in stock value right now if they did. So keep an eye out. You'll probably hear about the term Wave a lot more in the coming months. So there's that. Also, I would say, okay, well, I actually don't know if this video game is too old to actually have the potential for this but what if okay i don't know how many people remember little big planet but there is a playstation game called little big planet and it's got these little people that are like little sack people like sock like sock monkeys but sacks not socks so they're like little brown sacks with eye with google eyes and look it's really cute it sounds kind of creepy but it's not these toys are cute anyway so like you play as a sack person and you like it's a game where you like jump over obstacles and stuff and like there's there are real gaming aspects but also you get to design this whole little pod that you live in in outer space and you also get to like customize with outfits and cute little hats and accessories and so anyway it'd be cool if all the sack people could go watch a show in the game and then there could be like a sack person version of the artists performing i'm just saying just throwing out ideas for little big planet to do something with this all right, a little less likely is this idea. So I was thinking about lately how Blinks, and this has happened a lot with other fandoms in the past, but lately the latest example is how Blackpink fans, Blinks, decided to basically have this digital billboard truck go to YG Entertainment's headquarters and blast Kill This Love by Blackpink. So basically these billboard trucks, which apparently are a thing that a lot of fans do regularly for artists in K-pop in South Korea, you'll see those trucks with like an electronic billboard on the side that can play videos. And so these uh, Blackpink fans basically 
funded this billboard truck to and had it play the Kill This Love video from Blackpink, basically to protest the lack of promotion that YG Entertainment, they say, is giving Blackpink, especially for the comeback that's apparently coming in June. There's really no word or no hype being given by the label yet for that, which is a little odd. So they protested with this, the truck, no word if it actually had any impact on anyone. Imagine if no one was in the office that day. That's embarrassing, but we'll see. And so here's what I'm thinking. So, okay, what if... Not sure if this is possible, but technology these days is wild, so maybe. What if... What if... We had crowds... A crowd could go to a show. Obviously, stand six feet apart from everyone else there, but people go to the show, right? And they're spread out, but they're still like a crowd. And they go to one of those trucks. So, like, the show is going to the truck. And on the screen, there's, like, FaceTiming happening. So, like, the K-pop star is performing through this, like, live stream video chat experience. So you're all watching them on the screen on the side of a truck. But then they can, like, see you, too. And so you can talk and interact. And you could have time to, like, pass the mic around. Or, like, actually, you shouldn't pass the mic around. Maybe, like, somehow bring your own mic or yell into your own megaphone or something. But, like, a Q&A or some other live chat event that you could do collectively as a whole group. I don't know. That'd be pretty cool. Just a thought. There are other ways that fans could gather six feet apart and do, a, like, a point dance thing or something. I don't know. Just something, uh, I'm just throwing out ideas. Two more ideas I have, so. And then I will move on, I promise. So, one other thing I was thinking of. So, because these ideas are pretty wild and out there anyway, so just let mine be wild and out there as well. So, there's the thought of having, basically, this, this one company in the USA wants to still put on a county fair this year, but a drive-through county fair, and I have no idea what that means, but I think it's mostly about the food. So if you want, like, county fair food that you get once a year, you still can. You just have, go to the drive through for this fair. Um, maybe they have prizes or, like, games where you throw the pins at the balloons or something. But, yeah, they want to have a drive through fair, which is a choice. It is certainly a choice. But got me thinking. What if there was, like, a drive through event, like a pop-up shop experience, but a drive through thing for... K-pop. So drive through but make it K-Con. So like you could buy merch or like win merch if you play a game or like instead of like ordering or maybe you do, maybe you order the Korean food you'd like to sample at K-Con or you get uh, for the samples of uh, K-Beauty products or the other things that you do at K-Con booths but like a drive through way. Just a thought. So last thing. So this week we had two more major K-pop tour cancellations, NCT 127 and Monsta X. Both of those tours, well, Monsta X's is postponed. NCT's is indefinitely postponed, which means canceled. So that, yeah, it's very disappointing, but not surprising. And I'm thinking, though, what if they tried to make it up to fans somehow? Like, if you got a ticket... If you got a certain ticket, instead of a refund, you could also get something like an autograph or a video chat or something. It's Or maybe even just have a raffle. So a couple of people from each ticket tier get to have a compensation to like still have a special intimate moment with their fave. I don't know. I'm just thinking something to make up for the 
the disappointment that we have now of looking at the summer and everything we had to look forward to. You know, they could. Well, okay, I have one, I have one bonus idea I'll give, but here's the summary. So, concerts in the car, a drive through experience, especially for merch or something like that, some sort of Animal Crossing or other video game style event that's virtual reality, crashing Zooms or doing other video chats, a billboard digital truck or some other event where fans could like have a live chat on a big screen with their fave. There could be a, yeah, drive through event, but make it KCON. Other big thing, it would be giving merch and things like that to compensate for tour tickets so that they still get the concert tour money, but just by giving you some other service or product and the last thing because if they want to really like promote their music right now and they can't because there are no tours happening right now we have the artists all these different k-pop artists come on 17 karat k-pop just saying if they just want a one by one it could be turned into like a 24 hour live chat thing i will stay alert for that they can all, one after the other, call in and talk for two minutes, and we could just put something together. I'm just spitballing, but you know, people, you're all welcome. I would love it. Um, love to promote NCT, love to promote Monster X, all the other faves. If they want to talk about their music on this show, this is their billionth invitation to do so, so just something to think about. All right. That wraps up Quarantunes for today. Now, after this message from the sponsor, which is also me, you will get my C-pop video recommendation list and some J-pop as well. All right, here are my top five favorite C-pop music videos and a little bit about each of them. But I won't want to give away too much because I do want to persuade you all to go check them out for yourselves. But here we go. So... These are sort of in a particular order, but I do change my mind a lot. So today, this is the order, with five being at the bottom of the list, and number one is my favorite. So five, I'm going to say, Love Doesn't Need to Pretend. It is a C-pop video from Arcord featuring Diana Wayne, and it is, it's very, just the aesthetics of it I really love. It's very just cool how it was produced, and so if you have an appreciation in general for videography, for video editing, you would probably like the quality of this video. It's very cool to watch. It's a great song also, but the video itself is very cool. It's got basically this guy and girl are like keep morphing into each other. And so like one he like one moment he's himself and the next moment he's her throughout the video. That's all I'll tease about it really because it's really hard to explain. But it also has some very cool effects with like black paint that spreads around their area, all those white walls and black paint is all over the place and it's like just it's like a work of art in progress that's constantly changing. So there's a lot of symbolism you could unpack from that. And I just find that very very well done. I just really appreciate that. So that is very admirable. And number four, A B slash black white by Z Tao. And you all know I love Zetao, he had to be on this list. But his best video is probably that or Hello Hello, so those are tied for fourth place. So AB slash Black White, this video obviously has black and white imagery with um, all white versus all black settings. They have He has this one dance break scene which reminds me, it's like BTS's uh, 
fake love meets on music videos because it's in the location of the on dance break with like the black hooded figures from the fake love video so it's interesting how it combines those elements but it did come out before both of those videos so Zetao was first with that but obviously hooded figures is not a new concept for either of them anyway but there's that there's this really cool scene in terms of special effects with these tree branches and vines that are like enveloping him. It's very Harry Potter-esque with that, the poison ivy or whatever it was that dragged them into, into the depths of whatever. You know, you know, the plant from Chamber of Secrets. You, some people know what I'm talking about. Um, so there's that. The ending I find very symbolic because at the end of this video, long story short, he basically doesn't dress in all black or all white. He basically just wears he wears a sweater and jeans, and he has angel wings that kind of glitch in and out. So like he's trying to be good, you could decipher from that. So there's some angel wing silhouette of sorts happening, and then there's the sweater and jeans he's wearing, which to me is all what the song's really about. Which is he doesn't want to be an extreme. He's living in the shade of gray, and he's dressing as the real him, and that's when his true wings come out. That he's not really just playing a part, but he's just being himself. And just being himself seems to be a huge theme of his music, which is, I'm sure is somewhat a critique of his treatment when he was in XO. Uh, so that's unfortunate. And so it sounds terrible to say, but at least we got some good music out of it. I don't know. It is a great song, though. And then there, his other video that is tied for fourth place for me is Hello, Hello, which is his song with Wiz Khalifa. And the video is pretty self-explanatory, not all doesn't take a lot to figure out what the meaning is, but he's basically, he puts on the shades and he's trying to block out the paparazzi and the fame and trying to figure out where his true happiness lies. The lyrics are super emotional, definitely very, un, very teen drama-esque, very full of, you know, feelings of unrequited love and betrayal and all of that, as well as the challenges of fame and how that puts a strain on relationships. And so some of those themes that may seem cliche, but Zita is just doing things in a different way than other artists. And so in general, I always have a lot of respect for that. Number three, I have decided it's kind of a tie between a bunch of Joel and Sai music videos. So probably Muse, Medusa, and I'm Not Yours. But overall, Jolin is really, she's just the best C-pop queen. So... What Jolyn Sai does in her videos is very, very unique and just fun and fierce. It's like Madonna meets, um, hmm, I guess it's like Madonna meets something that's totally new and uniquely hers, meets like a little bit of Britney maybe, and it's very fierce and maybe not Britney, I'm trying to think of who she sounds like, but she's very much just original, her own. It's like a little bit of Dua Lipa maybe mixed with Madonna, mixed with someone else. Basically, she's ferocious, she's sassy, she's she's basically just owning being herself, and it's just the best. So I would check out those videos for sure. She really flips stories on their head. So like the muse is kind of a Cinderella story, literally, like she's going to the ball, but she freaking flips that story on its head. And so you just got to watch to see more. But yeah, in these videos, she really is owning it. And she's just, she's just confident and embracing her confidence and not letting people 
berate her or bring her down or belittle her and she's just such a fierce woman I just I just love Jolin so and number two number two yeah number two Wait 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 by Kuhn K-U-N Wait 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 is a song that is in English but he is known in the c-pop world so I included him in this list but Wait 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 is very the visuals are incredible and so high quality, but just so mesmerizing with the color scheme and just all of the settings. I mean, you so you've just gotta gotta watch it. But I will say, there's a lot happening. At some points, he's like controlling water and he's walking in shallow water, and he's walking past all these sites. What at one time he's he's walking around these this dark gray mountain landscape, but there are red flowers that keep popping up. So there's that pop of color that's just very very aesthetic and there's this part my favorite part I think is he's basically gets into Atlantis and so you see this fascinating like image of mermaids I guess I think they're trying to be mermaids but they look also like puffer fish so they have like these winged features so there's like these puffer fish mermaid combos but it's really quite a majestic sight this Atlantis place he goes into it's a whole it's really fascinating, a whole interesting scene. That that scene itself could be its own movie, and maybe it was a reference to a movie, and I'm just ignorant about that, but you never know. So there's that. There's this scene where he's basically walking around the city at night, and so everyone's a blur around him, and there's this person who's literally a giant who's taking over the city. There's a lot happening. There are like three different movies thrown into this one music video, so that's why I love it. I love videos that are interesting. They keep my attention and they want me to rewatch to really understand what just happened. Number one, Ugly Beauty, Joel and Sai's video. Ugly Beauty is basically, it is just so great. The message is so great. Her fierceness is, as always is so great. It's just a very great social critique, which Jolin is definitely known for. So Ugly Beauty, the video is and that's why it's her world tour before it was called off because of COVID. The Ugly Beauty world tour really was about this as well, which is um, calling out society's beauty standards. And it's just a great video. It's She basically puts herself, like she's the judge and she's the, the jailed person in the prison garb on trial in this video. So she's basically punishing herself for not meeting certain beauty ideals. And then she tries to like, She's the, she's the she's her biggest critic and she's she's the victim and the punisher. It's a whole thing. It's it's a, it's just a very great social critique and the way that she I mean just picturing her like imagine break dancing in a courtroom and everyone's like not break dancing but having a dance break and everyone's you know it, it's just a whole thing. It's funny and interesting and quirky and classic Jolin. So check that out. So Hello, Hello, and AB by Zetao, Wait, Wait, Wait by Kuhn, uh, Medusa, Ugly Beauty, I'm Not Yours, Muse, All That by Jolin. I also do want to bring attention to two more things. Oh, Love Doesn't Need to Pretend by R Chord was on there as well. One I will say is that there's a Zetao video I would watch if you're into Big Bang and their super corny soap opera-y older stuff like Lies and uh, Haru Haru. That, that 
that level of corny and funny and soap opera-y is how I feel watching Crown, which is another Z-Tow video. So I love him, but that one's very corny. So Crown is basically, he washes up on the beach. I don't know how he, I don't know the backstory, but he somehow was in the water and he washes up on a beach and he somehow like gets cleaned up within five seconds and goes up this elevator. And so now he's in like a fancy place. So he's like in a penthouse now. So, yeah, there's a lot happening, but basically, <laughs> the short version of it is, he basically goes on this journey and tries to get this this guy's permission to get the key or something, so he gets the keys to this fancy car, and once he has the car, he needs to go, like, get this girl, and so he gets to the castle, and he has to, like, beat up all these guards in order to access the girl who's in a throne behind the guards, but then she doesn't really want him. And he's basically doesn't get past the guards. He thought he took them down, but then they rise again. He gets thrown out of a helicopter. There is a whole bunch happening, but it's a Groundhog Day-esque. So it's like Castaway meets Groundhog Day meets the weirdest version of Cinderella you can imagine. So it has some annoying tropes, like the get the girl thing that I'm not a huge fan of, but it is just funny to me because it is very drama-y. It's like very... It's very obvious that what they're trying to do dramatically and that stuff I find comical. So it is enjoyable to watch, even if it's not the best in terms of authenticity and seeming very well done. But it's just, it's wild. It is a wild story. That's what I love about these C-pop videos and many, many, many more I could talk about. They, they really tell quite the story and are very visual and fascinating to me. A uh, quick note, I don't watch a ton of J-pop videos, full disclosure, but whose videos I really like, especially for quarantine time, is um, the videos from Garni Delia. So Garni Delia has these dance videos for some of her songs, and just watching her footwork is just fascinating to me. Just because she has these dance moves that look so easy. And then you try them, and it, it's like BTS's Boy With Love chorus all over again. Like, oh great, I thought this was finally easy to follow along with. But So it's just fascinating. So lots of respect for her and her dancers for the shows they put together. And her songs are just really cute as well and fun. And just the perfect techno bops for my mood lately. So that is your C-pop update. Now we have to celebrate... Monster X's five-year anniversary as a band and three-year anniversary since their Japanese debut. So let's just get into that next topic. That's the best transition I've got. All right, Mon Bebe, it is time to celebrate Monster X's fifth anniversary. So we have to talk about some of the ultimate milestones in their career so far. So I narrowed it down to seven items for symbolic reasons. But there are obviously a ton of other ups and downs on this journey, but I want to focus on seven of the biggest ups in this journey. It's been very cool, actually, because Monster X is one of the fandoms I've actually been in for a long time, whereas with a lot of other K-pop stars, I really started to get to become a diehard fan later on in their career, so I feel very special to have been there since the No Mercy days. And so... That's number one on my list is No Mercy, obviously a big memorable thing for Mon Bebe. And I know this would this should probably be considered a low in their career just because it's emotional and dramatic and but I don't know, to see their growth from it and the songs that came out of it and all of that are highest to me. You know, if you want to get real nostalgic and just 
bless your ears. The best thing for that is revisiting show news cover of All of Me by John Legend that he performed in his audition for No Mercy. Uh, also, Ki Hyun singing Heya, that was beyond beautiful. So, and especially, it's a funny clip because that clip from No Mercy shows the the other Monster X members and potential members at the time all their reactions as they listen to him sing, and you could tell the looks on their face are not just awe, but, like, total, total fear. Like, oh my gosh, I'm getting eliminated. He's totally gonna beat me in this competition. So it's just, it's just funny. It's, that's, that was the best episode when you see their auditions. Although I do appreciate the sexy back performance from Wanhoa in a different episode. When he partnered up with Hyunwan, that was, that was interesting. I love Wanho's trademark confidence. It's one of the best things about that show. Even back then, he was he was really jumping at the bit to show his confidence to the world. So, anyway, so No Mercy definitely topping my list. Or these are known in no particular order, but still, just that is definitely a high in their career to watch them grow from that. And to now think that I am almost didn't make it in the band is wild to me because they're such a brotherhood now. And at first, while watching the show before I really got to know the members and feel like I was a fan of them very personally, I really wasn't a fan of I Am. Is that terrible to say or did other mom baby feel that way? Because at first I was right along with the other members when he was inserted into the group later, spoiler alert, but whatever, when they were like, we need another person in the group, another rapper, and they brought him in and the other members just look at him like, what are you doing? This isn't fair. You're joining the competition so late, and it was awkward when they're meeting for the first time because clearly the other members were ready to just were really bonding at that point and felt cohesive and everything. And now he jumps in, and it was it was it's very tense reality TV. I will say that that's why it's called No Mercy. Those judges, oh my gosh, Simon Cowell must have trained them. They're actually probably more intense than Simon Cowell. They're very blunt. So anyway, it makes for good reality TV, and it is just wild to see their journey since their No Mercy days. So, anyway, another big moment in their career, I have to say, is when they did their mini-documentary with Gallant. It was called When You Call My Name. It's still available on YouTube if you want to check it out. It's a little less than 20 minutes long. It's a really great intro to who they are. It is like Tiger Beat levels of depth. So, I mean, you don't really get to know them on a super personal level. Their level of spilling their guts and sharing their backstory is pretty... It's it's a light documentary. It doesn't get too heavy. And so maybe that's good a good intro for fans. But if you were hoping for a closer look at their lives, it wasn't the documentary for you. But what I personally love most about it was the acoustic cover of Beautiful, which is my song. I love it. And the acoustic version really shows off their vocals. And how seamlessly they can work with other vocalists. Gallant is amazing. His voice is incredible in that song. And it, it's just a very cool, fun, surprising collaboration. I've also, on this list, I have to say, all of the side projects. So, with Elahey as well, his voice is amazing. His work with I Am has been fantastic. The new song, too. And the obviously the original mixtape they put out together. And, of course, Juhani's album, we've got, you know, the Stuff is DJH one that has come out. Juhani's uh, also side features with, like, Mad Clown. And Get Get Low and Get Doe, that is a great 
though that's an iconic duo of songs to listen to back to back. There's Shonyu's collab with Prep. There's Kihin's OST. There's Minghyuk's uh, tr- uh, Trot Song. It's it, oh my gosh, I could go on and on. But their side projects have been really cool to watch as they get to experiment with their sound and stuff. So definitely that stuff is on my list. And also, like I said, I love when they work with vocalists like Galat and Al Hay, ones that are lesser known that deserve a bigger platform. Number four, when they sign to a U.S. record label, because that is so huge and symbolic for their future, and obviously they deserve it, and all the overseas love has been very cool to watch. Number five, their world tours, watching their world tours happen has been incredible, and of course they're just stellar performers. They, it's such a blast to watch them, honestly, and it's been cool to watch it grow, and it's just very cool. It's, yeah, it's the best. I could go on and on about my memories of their shows, but the Mon Baby are really such nice fans to meet and hang out with before the show, and they're very artsy and creative, so the special fan projects they put together are really cool, very cute, very fun. It's just such a blast. It's a great fandom, and they, they are great performers, and it's just good vibes all around. Well, this is one of the many reasons why drive-in shows or just online shows can never replace the real thing, especially with some artists that really take it next level like them. But with their live shows, some memorable moments to highlight for me. Well, there's the Where We Are tour, which personally I think was better than the Connect tour, but they were both great. The Connect tour was great, but the Where We Are tour had a couple of big things that I loved. There was Hyunwan in that suit doing his Bazi cover. That was really great. Juhani's lawn drum solo, well-deserved. At the Chicago stop I went to, I am held up the K-pop's best rapper sign that a fan made him. That was a great idea. Shout out to the fan that brought that sign because that was, that was a moment. The crowd went wild for that. It was just, it was good stuff. And the obviously two other big moments from that, the where we are, or we are, sorry, where we are here tour was that, um, obviously the part that everyone loves the most, which is when Juhani spotted me in the crowd and waved, and then the second part when I got to look them in the eyes and I touched them and everything, and I got to call I am a legend to his face, get a great cute reaction and giggle out of him, um, uncharacteristic. So anyway, it was great, and obviously that was the biggest deal. It it was fun. Number six would have to be their music show wins. Those are always super emotional, especially coming from a company that's a bit of a rookie compared to some of the more well-known music companies who can promote their artists more and are more well-funded and all of that. So to see them have their moments on stage where the odds were stacked against them but they won are just so emotional for fans and clearly for them. So when Shootout won its first win, that, that to see them tear up over that was a moment. That encore performance still gets to me. And then, of course, their first, first, first show win, Dramarama, going against EXID, that was huge. And oh, it was great. So seeing their music show wins is always very exciting as a fan and touching because they genuinely seem so shocked and excited and humbled. And it's just lovely to see. And then, of course, I'll say tied for sixth is for six on my list of seven things that is is when they've performed at other times as well because they have so many iconic performances I couldn't figure out which one to pick in my top seven list so I really like the mamas their latest mamas performances Juhani's rapping and 
and Juhani and I am when they like rode on those cars toward each other and stuff and it was a whole cool epic moment it was a very it was a very it, the rap had their trademark their trademark attitude it was just great the sass was palpable and we loved to see it so number seven on my list has to be just hang in there let me explain it's the We Bear Bears episode. The Cartoon Network show We Bear Bears that had the Monster X record recordings and theme of the episode. So just let me, hear me out for this. First of all, it is about a birthday. So it's a great episode to watch on your birthday, which I have done before. And it just makes you feel special. So that's something. And it cheers you up. Who doesn't love a cartoon on their birthday? Second of all, they actually got it right. We Bear Bears did it right. A lot of K-pop cameos in re reference, a lot of K-pop references in Western media shows and movies and whatnot. Like I think it was Law and Order, maybe it was NCIS or something, but some long-running show uh, threw in a reference to Mark Lee, which I guess we love. But it was so random, and like you could tell it was just added because they knew it would get them some clout and some media buzz online, which it did that day. I'm sure Mark Lee was trending all over Twitter. So that kind of bugs me when they're shoehorned in, clearly, but We Bear Bears really did it right, though, and I really respect that, because all the little details they added, all the little Easter eggs for fans to find, he along with his coffee, and I am with his choker, and just all the little details, Shonu joking about being called a polar bear, it's just all those little references to the actual Monster X members and how we know them and what our, our relationship is like with them. I mean, obviously the cartoon version of the fandom was a bit extra. I don't, I'm not climbing windows yet for them, <laughs> yet, but it, it was, that's, you know, it's a cartoon, so anyway. The point is that it was, they did a great job of showing how much Monster X loves Mon Bebe and what Monster X is really like and their true personalities. And it also helped, obviously, that they got to voice themselves in the episode. But I just love that it wasn't a passing reference, that Monster X was really the core of the episode. It got me to like the show, and I had never even heard of it before. And so it, it's just a great, it was a great crossover and great for both of them, hopefully, in terms of popularity. So those are just seven of the many exciting moments of being a Mon Baby, and I'm sure there are many more to come. Well, that is it for 17 Karat K-Pop today, but make sure you check out the other episode that just dropped because there's a lot more I talk about in the music industry and about K-Pop in general. And before we go, I do want to give my what to watch and what to view recommendations. So first of all, what to view on YouTube, you really need to subscribe to and watch videos from this group. I believe it's pronounced Narin. It's N-A-R-I-N. Apologies if I didn't get that right. But they are really, really, really good. They're this acapella group that does a lot of K-pop covers, but they also have done some medleys. Their EXO medley is particularly good, but they also have a BTS medley that I like a lot. It's it's just very cool and fascinating to me to watch how they... Just watch how they can be so just everything acapella yet make it all sound like they're playing a bunch of instruments and stuff it's just I'm just fascinated by this and they just do such a stellar job so I wish I had gotten to know that about that account sooner so it's a it's a great one to check out so make sure you subscribe to them what to listen to so here's some of my favorite underrated bops right now 
So Zydo released this EP recently, and in general, Zydo's music, I haven't gotten into much until lately, when his new single, Bedding, came out, and that whole EP it's from is really good. That's X-Y-D-O, if you want to check out that. I would all and Zydo's collaborated with Ravi a lot, their collabs are always fire, just a side note. I've been going back through Balfour's discography lately because of her new EP and her collab with Baekhyun that got her back on my mind, and she really does have a lot of gems, her and, uh, and when she was part of more than a one-man band as well, so I would say if you're new to her music, you will probably like or should check out Stars Over Me, is very sweet, and I mean Workaholic's relatable, and that's a good song. Stars Over Me and Travel are probably the most crowd-friendly or like crowd-pleasing bops that I would check out. Also, I have been really back into some throwback artists that have gems that I've overlooked for a while. So if you're wondering if there, if there are some lesser-known groups that came and went in K-pop that you want to get into, or just, I guess Ajax wasn't less lesser-known. They were pretty big. But anyway, Ajax is really good. They, I've been revisiting their catalog and just... Just the amount of bops is just next level. And I would say one for you is one you've got to check out. And also co-ed school. A lot of people haven't heard of this group, but it's a co-ed group with a lot of boys and girls. It's called co-ed school. It's, they've got some bops too late. That is, that is something. So they've got some great pop tunes and they never really made it big, but they were a great group. So that's just a, a, PSA for them. There are a lot of other under-the-radar artists who have music out there, so make sure you check out the K-pop groups from lesser-known companies. Lusty has a cool single out now. The Do Sisters I really like. There are some, there are a lot of girl groups especially that are underrated and don't get talked about, but you gotta check them out. So yeah, I will have more recommendations on the next episode, but that's it for this one, and I will, I'll see you later. Hang in there, everybody.